Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Do not adjust your TV set. I really am wearing a shirt that looks like this. <laughs> we are reading the book of Daniel. On our Wednesday night Bible study, what we do is we go through the Bible and try to go through one verse at a time, put it all in context, help to elaborate upon it, bring understanding to our knowledge of the scriptures. Daniel is written during the uh, time of Babylonian captivity. God finally brings judgment on Israel for all its centuries of rebellion, and he just slams them. And a great many of them, probably the vast majority of them, were destroyed. And then a remnant, a smaller part of them, were taken off into Babylonian captivity. Uh, in Babylon, uh, some of the uh, Jews were integrated, as Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He's trying to integrate the whole world into his kingdom. And he brought them as well as all the other different peoples and tried to integrate them into his thinking and culture. They, he picked Daniel, uh, named Belteshazzar, and his buddies that they renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These four guys were given a very high place in the kingdom of Babylon and uh, served Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a narcissistic psycho. And uh, as we've been already reading so far, we're just in the fourth chapter. So uh, uh, initially, God used Daniel to bring understanding to um, Nebuchadnezzar. He was about to kill all the wise people because they couldn't tell what his dream was. God blessed Dave, Daniel. He was able to explain to them, and then they were all saved. You would think that <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar had become converted and born again the way he talked and praising the Lord God on high, but it wasn't long before he built a gigantic statue, uh, a god for them to all worship. It was a 90 feet high of gold and whatever, big yo mama gold. I like to cash that rascal in. But, uh, and then he said everybody had to worship. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not worship. And then he threw them into the fiery furnace, but God protected them, brought them out of the fiery furnace. And he started praising God again. Well, let's pick it up now. Chapter four. Now, chapter four Starts out reading like the, you know, the kind of movies or TV shows that you see the end and then 24 hours earlier, you know, one of those kind of things. Well, this actually is kind of the end and seven years earlier. And it's all just in this one chapter. So he starts out reading how Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar again, is praising and worshiping God. Hallelujah. But there's a reason he's praising and worshiping God. And then we back up and we hear the rest of the story. So let's jump in there. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is a writing that he's writing, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. These kings, especially in these situations, were truly, once they came to their senses, were in awe of the God of Israel. Uh, it wasn't that they necessarily became converted, uh, you know, as far as their understanding would be. I mean, they, had, they believed in many, 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 many gods. You know, what's another god? And, uh, and we're very impressed because this god was like, un, like any other god. So he's praising this god. And so he starts, I pray, I just want to tell you how wonderful this God is. And then he starts to tell us what happened. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, 
The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel comes along. He comes into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, uh, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So you can see the level of conversion he has here. You know, uh, I named him Belteshazzar after my God. This God of Israel is fabulous, but my God's named Belteshazzar, and I named this guy because I really like this guy, and he's got the spirit of the gods in him, plural, so he, he doesn't quite get it. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of so many people. <laughs> I it really does, you know, I talked about this last week. You minister to them, and you share with them the truth, and it's like you are talking to a brick wall. They just don't get it. What do you do? You just keep loving them. And you hope at some point God will turn the light on. And it's really true. At some point, you cannot just beat this in anybody. Unless the Holy Spirit comes, unless God gives you a degree of faith and understanding, you just will not comprehend many of these things. And... Uh, and, you know, that's the way it is. There's, there's a lot of people, they, they want to believe in God. They like the idea of a God and Jesus and stuff like that. They don't truly ever really surrender. They never take the time to really understand the scriptures. That's why it's great that we do this. And kudos to all of you. They're coming. You say, man, I, want to, I really want to understand this stuff. Because a lot of these people, they don't really, really understand. They just want to be told what something means. That's all it is. You know, well, what does this mean? Well, does the Bible say such and such? Well, yeah. Okay, great. Well, the Bible says such a... No, it doesn't. Okay, great. Uh, but they don't last very long because they've never bothered to really find out. You know, it's like someone who just... They want to know, you know, here's the test. Multiple choice. And just, is it A, B, C, or D? Right? It's D. Okay, great. And they write down D. But they never learn anything. And it never really gets in them. Uh, but the problem with that is, is as long as they're around people who are telling them the truth, they're pretty safe ground. But inevitably, they run into somebody who will tell them anything. And they, you know, they just ask, well, does the Bible say such and such? And some will say, well, yeah. Oh, wow. They don't know, you know. Does the Bible say we can snort cocaine? Yeah, it does. Wow. I didn't know that. That's all they got to hear. All they got to hear is someone say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we're hippies. Not that we ever were hippies, Joe. Just, I've heard about people who were. Yes, those guys. Those one guys. And I remember hearing now how the Bible says it was okay to take LSD. Yeah, everybody went, cool. The Bible's into this. <laughs> no one ever bothered to find out if it actually said it. Uh, actually, they did find a verse in Revelations uh, about giving to someone a stone. That only he understands. And this means LSD. Ooh, you know. And, and they're just clueless, okay? Because they don't know the truth. They just, whatever somebody tells them. That's kind of, you know, this Nebuchadnezzar. It's kind of in that realm, doesn't really get it. Anyway, I, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians. Uh, I, I said, I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians. I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. So he's talking to Daniel, Belteshazzar. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. 
Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass for him. The decision is announced by the messengers. The Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, Belshazzar, whatever his name is, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is he doesn't really get it, okay? He just knows this guy's got a really butt-kicking God. He's something else. Uh, and then chapter, uh, verse 19. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar. Seriously, I think we get it by now. I don't know why I keep saying this over and over again. <laughs> Daniel called Belshazzar. I mean, how many times they got it? I don't know. You know, he wasn't. I'm not complaining. I just, it's kind of an odd way. You've told us 30 times now. Daniel, we know what you're called, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him, because immediately he understood what the dream meant. So the king said, Belshazzar, <laughs> just call him Daniel, for the love of God. Do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Don't worry, Daniel. What is, what is it? What is it? Tell me, tell me. Well, Belshazzar answered, <laughs> Belshazzar. Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. Shazam. I don't know. Belteshazzar. If you're waiting for a name to call your kids, there you go. Belteshazzar, get over here. All right? So now, he answered, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meetings to your adversaries. Immediately, he was filled with the dread because he knew what it meant. And, you know, and of course, these guys were always very not wanting to upset the king because he had a tendency to, you know, kill people. And nobody liked giving him bad news. But right away, he knew this was bad news. So he says, oh, man, if only this meant for your enemies. But here goes. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. And certainly at this time in the world, uh, this is exactly it. I mean, uh, remember, he has a stream and he sees these four major kingdoms of the world. Um, 
which we have seen. You know, the first one was obviously... Um, <laughs> who are these people? Babylonians. <laughs> and then we know the next ones are the Medes and the Persians because we see that coming. Uh, so that's the, the first two. The next one we assume was the Greek... Uh, uh, rule, and then, you know, Alexander the Greek, he ruled the world, and then the Roman Empire. Uh, the only thing after that, in his vision, he saw the feet in his dream were made of clay and iron, holding together great power, but yet not really being all together. I think that's a brilliant description of Western culture today, the Western world, uh, particularly even the United States of America. We've got all these states, how we all hold it together, I don't know, but we do, and then maybe if you add Europe into it, there's all this count, uh, you know, gathering of the most powerful force on earth is Western culture at this point, United States in particular. Uh, but it's kind of all held together. Yeah, not quite held together. The only thing that he saw after that was the kingdom of God coming. That's why we believe we're in the last days. We think that this, based on what he saw, is all coming to an end. We'll see a lot more of that later on in, in Daniel. So, um, so he knows that he is this great king. He's massive at this time. He has control of the whole world as anyone knows it. And all of the world is prospering under the reign of this king, albeit with a rod of iron. You ticked him off, you're a toast. But uh, so all of these people were living in the association. King, you are this, this uh, tree. All right? You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. So implying of the king. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass for him. That's a reference of years. Okay? This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree. The Most High is issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. So he's going all natural. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. And what's the other word they use for it? V vegan. He's very vegan at this point. Okay. And uh, you're going to live like a cow, basically. King, here's, here's what I think. You're going to live like a cow. And you will be drenched with the drew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes, which is really an interesting concept and something that we really struggle with because we oftentimes see very bad regimes raised and stuff. It's hard to understand, uh, and, and certainly from anybody's perspective that your nation was destroyed by uh, the Babylonians, you would think, this guy's from hell. Uh, but at some point, God does give power to whom he wants to hold power, and we're supposed to respect them accordingly. Very tough to do, you know, um, but that's what we're supposed to do. So anyway, um, the command to leave the stump on the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So basically, the kingdom will stay intact, but you're going to be toast for seven years. You are going to be a blathering idiot, you're going to howl at the moon. He's basically telling me he's going to go insane. You're going to go nutty in a fruitcake, and you're going to live like an animal. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you might want to renounce your sins. And uh, by doing what is right, 
and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, something he wasn't inclined to do. Why would you be kind to the oppressed? That's why they're the oppressed, because you oppress them. Uh, it may be that your prosperity will continue. So he's basically saying, look, here's the deal. God is telling you in the stream that he's about to kick your butt. You're going to lose your mind and live like an animal, think like an animal. He's just going to be wild and nutty in a fruitcake. He's going to go literally insane. Uh, no one can deal with him. He's just going to totally lose it. Uh, his hair is going to grow. He's going to be like a... Well, you can imagine for seven years if you never cut your fingernails and your hair never cut and, and all this kind of stuff and just... Ugh. So he says, I would advise you, O king, repent. Now you would think, I hear this, I would be inclined to repent. I don't want this to happen to me. But again, people are clueless. And you can, war you can, warn, you can warn them of heaven and hell. Of heaven and of hell. And they still just won't get it. It is what it is. So all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. So he, God gave him another year to get it right. But he was so arrogant and so proud. And at some point, it becomes so offensive to God that he brings judgment on these people. Uh, it, it's like King Herod. King Herod was a disaster. Uh, but yet, he had the power. And God, despite, it's not saying that God endorses the wicked that they do. But for whatever reason, they get this power to fulfill God's plan. And Herod was part of that. At one point, he became so arrogant that he gave this speech. And apparently the teleprompter was smoking that day. And he's talking, there's a frozen dragon, frozen dragon. And the people are, oh, what an amazing guy. What are, and they're saying, we're hearing the voice of a God. You know, remember this? Okay. And he is so caught up in how fabulous he is that God strikes him and he dies of worms. Is that it? Ew. Worms crawl in and the worms crawl out. So anyway, that's what happened to him. And he was stoked. So anyway, at some point, God cannot stand people who don't give respect towards God, whom all power comes from. So 12 months later, the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace in Babylon. And he gets up there and he says, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. He was overwhelmed with what he had accomplished. He was full of ego and pride and arrogance against everybody and anything. The guy was a narcissistic psycho, as I've been telling you. This King Nebuchadnezzar was, but then again, the truth is anybody who has that much power, when one person rules the known world, they tend to go a little Okay, and this is what happened to him. So he's so full of himself. And the Bible says, verse 31, the words were still on his lips. He's still talking about how fabulous he is. Truly, I'm marvelous. No one is like me. My glory is, is immeasurable. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what decreed, is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals and you will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by before you, uh, for you to acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people 
and ate grass like a cow. Now, Doc, can you eat grass? Can a human being eat grass? Can he digest? Who knows? They were very scientific. I don't know what he was eating. What can you eat that cows can eat? I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. This guy, I have no idea. Just says he goes nuts and he's out there grounding around like an animal. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. So it sounds so romantic. <laughs> it wasn't good. I'm sure the guy just reeked. Uh, his hair grew like feathers of an eagle. That's one hairy dude. His nails like the claws of a bird. And he's out there just <laughs> eating and crowded. This is Nebuchadnezzar. This guy had ruled the world, and he completely loses it. Well, I don't know if they put him in a pen. <laughs> I mean, they didn't know what to do with these people when they went crazy like this. It, it, it just, he, was, he didn't want to mess with him. He was King Nebuchadnezzar. And that's the prophecy that the kingdom would stay intact, but he's completely lost it. He's a complete nut job. And for seven years... He crawls in the dust and dirt, eats like animals, and just completely loses it. At the end of that time, see, Nebuchadnezzar is still giving his testimony here. I'd like to testify. I went crazy. Uh, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored seven years later. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified the one who lives forever. His kingdom is an eternal dominion. His uh, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that same time, my sanity was restored. When he finally, God gave him a moment of sanity. He looks up to God. He reverences God. He praises God. Again, I don't think he really gets it, but enough to know that this is someone to be reckoned with and to be uh, feared and to, and to honor. So at that time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got to watch that. Now, chapter 5, King Belshazzar, not <laughs> Belshazzar, but King Belshazzar. Who's King Belshazzar? Uh, he's the son of Nebuchadnezzar. So now we have a flip in kings. So eventually Nebuchadnezzar bites it. He's dead. And now his son is reigning in his stead. So King Belshazzar, who was aware of what God had done in the king's life and everything else, but again, there's like these people, if Israel couldn't get it, you know the pagans would never get it. Uh, and he didn't get it, and he didn't show reverence towards God despite all the stuff that had happened. Anyway, so this king, the new next king, is, he gave a great banquet for thousands of his nobles and drank wine with them. So while Belshazzar, this king, was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that he, uh, so that the king, his nobles, his wives, and his concubines, I've never quite understood the concubine concept, except that 
They're like wives, but they don't have the rights of wives. So he's got multiple wives, and apparently that's not enough, so he's got to get extra concubines on the side, you know, in case too many have a headache at one time. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's, he's got it going on here. So now what happens here? Now, at this point, he should have learned from his father and everything to, even though they didn't comprehend it, really. All they knew is that this God of Israel was something to be feared and reckoned with. There's been a couple of really dramatic moments in uh, his father's life, or this God of Israel, even though he conquered all of Israel, still he learned to respect this God. Don't mess with this God, okay? Well, this kid didn't learn anything from his father, uh, which too often is the case. And so he's having this party, and his buddies are there, all the noblemen are there, his wives are there, and the sort of wives are there, everybody's there with one big yo mama party. So he decides, let's go get the gold. Now remember, when they came and took over and conquered uh, Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple and took all the gold that was used in the Holy of Holies and stuff to worship God and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so as an act of disrespect, now this is blatant disrespect to the God of heaven, the very God that his father had learned, don't mess with. He says, go get all that stuff. Let's drink out of that stuff. So I mean, it's, it's blatant uh, disrespect to the God of Israel, though they didn't quite understand it. They knew he was going to be feared. Uh, Belshazzar was an idiot and he, you know, was arrogant and said, let's go, so go, get, go get that stuff. So verse three, so they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the kings and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. So they're just partying hard. They're laughing now. They got all the stuff from the God of Israel. They're just, you know, they're just so full of themselves. Very disrespectful. And uh, as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of stone and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So it's a double whammy. Not only are they disrespecting the God of heaven, as they understood the Israeli God to be, they are praising their own gods. Just these you know, statues. And they bow down, worship all these goofy things. All right? Now, suddenly, and, and this is real interesting. Uh, well, let's read it and I'll talk about it. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand of the royal palace. And the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. And he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Now, you can only begin to imagine. You got some buddies over. You're grooving. You're getting down. Maybe dealing this or that. And all of a sudden, a hand appears and starts writing on the wall. This is quite... Discomforting and uh, freaks the willies out of they freaked and his he was so frightened his leg gave out. by the way I don't know if you've ever been so stunned or shocked or frightened that your legs give out yeah it's happened to me once uh, something that uh, <laughs> I won't go into the details which is showing some discipline on my end because I like to give all the details they're totally irrelevant to most things uh, but I'll never forget it's like somebody just kicked out your leg your knees will literally give out 
when you freak. And uh, so that's what happens. Um, what's interesting about this is, uh, have you ever heard the phrase, well, the handwriting's on the wall, okay? Even pagans and heathens to this, and they, well, I don't, there's the handwriting on the wall. What they're doing is telling the story. That's where this comes from. This is one of the most well-known and most referenced events in the Bible that most people have no idea that actually comes from the Bible. You know, something's obvious. Or say that. Here's, I, I knew what I had to do. The handwriting was on the wall. We had to go this direction. You know, they, so this is the story. Because here this hand literally appears. And they just all freak. Well, the king finally pulls it together. And he calls out for the enchanters, astrologers, diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, who reads this writing? Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom because he's freaking out. What does this mean? They all see this. I mean, the wind is sucked out of these people's chest. <laughs> then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing. I don't know what it means. What is that? I don't know what it means. Uh, so they couldn't tell what the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. So they knew something major supernatural had just taken place. Now, I'm assuming this is days later at this point, by the time they got everybody together and they're trying to decipher it, nobody can tell him. He is freaking out. What was this? What does that mean? T totally has his attention. It's a big stinking deal. Well, the queen, hearing the voices of the kings and his noble. So apparently, you have the concubines, you have the wives, and out of all of them, there's one queen. As if one wasn't stressful enough, he added many more women in his life. So the queen, hearing the voices of the king and his noble, they can hear it, they're all freaking out came into the banquet hall and said, oh, king, live forever, she said, which, you know, mostly your wives come to you that way. Oh, husband, live forever. You're wonderful. Uh, <laughs> why would even the wife do that? Because these guys were psycho guys. They kill everybody. If they didn't like the queen, you know, and you knew there was a whole bunch of others in line. So they didn't mess around. So, oh, king, la, 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 la. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence, the wisdom like that of the gods. The queen knew all this. The king should have known all this. But he's basically reminding him, hello, King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called... We know! All right, was found to have, been, have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you. And that you have insight, intelligence, outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. 
Now I have heard that you're able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means. He's trying to incite him. He's trying to motivate him. Two ways, they would either threaten to kill them, which was a pretty strong motivator, or they would offer him great wealth and power. Uh, often the two were offered at the same time. <laughs> but so he offers him all this power and wealth and stuff like that. And, uh, and you'll have a gold chain you know, placed around your neck, look like Snoop Dogg, okay? And you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. I guess I could have looked it up, but who was the second highest ruler? I don't know. Anyway. So then Daniel answered the king. Uh, you can keep your gifts for yourself <laughs> and give your rewards to someone else. Now, seriously, at this point, Daniel's got to be getting older at this point. I mean, he figures, I don't know what he's thinking. I'd be afraid to talk to the king in this way, but he's got all the cards at this point. And I don't, maybe he's trying to be humble. I don't need it. You can give it to anyone you want. I suppose it depends on the way this is being said. It sounds kind of a little disrespectful, but I guess Daniel wouldn't be smarter than that. So maybe it's just a way of saying, I don't need that stuff. Anyway, nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples of the nation and the men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne, stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal, lived with the wild donkeys, ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets them over. And so he's basically reminding him what the boy should be very aware of. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself. You haven't learned the lesson. Though you knew all this, so he's, you know, he's still being kind of strong with this king. Uh, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You've had the goblets of his temple brought out to you. You and your nobles, your wives, your concubines drank from them. They're basically insulting the God of heaven, sticking it in his eye. And at the same time, you praise the gods of silver and gold and of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. They're a bunch of dumb statues. But you did not honor God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And then he starts to read it. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means God has numbered the days of your reign. And it will be brought to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And then next one, your kingdom is going to be divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. How he knows all this is just stunning, but he knows it. And then this all seemed to make sense to Belshazzar. Again, you would think these guys would hear this like uh, Daniel had suggested. Knowing this is coming, I would suggest to you <laughs> Make peace with God. Make peace with, what, what is the deal, you know? 
And here's the crazy thing, man. If someone like Daniel's telling you, man, your number is up or you're going to be nutty in a fruitcake for seven years or whatever, pay attention. And you try and warn people, actually, of the, of the dangers of sin that just ruins people's lives. The reason people's lives are such a mess is primarily because of selfishness and sin. That's it. That's it. Selfishness and sin will rip you to pieces. It'll rob you of your family, your children, your spouse, your friends. It's like a cancer that's just going at it. You think people would learn and say, hey, let me learn from God and how to get this life and how to do this life right. And you can warn them and they still don't listen. Uh, and then, of course, the ultimate warning we always give is, look, you need to be right with God. We don't know when any of our numbers up. You know, it could be tonight. Now, the last time I said that, somebody left church and died on the way home. I felt like I killed them. <clears throat> but it's not me. It's just God. <laughs> be careful when you're driving. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is you don't know that. Anytime our number could be up. So be careful. Live intelligently. Honor God in your life. Take this stuff seriously. All right? So anyway, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. He has all this power, which he didn't ask for. He said he can keep it, but he did it. He's okay. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Now this is basically the end of the Persian Empire. Boom, just like that. Now we have the Medes and the Persians, which historically, if you check it out, was the next big, incredible kingdom. And that's what happened. Apparently, he says it was slain. I assume that Darius the Mede has something to do with the slain. <laughs> you know, they knock each other off. Uh, and then that's it. Uh, and that's now what we're done. Then we go into chapter 6, and now Darius, who was the new king, now in the... In the uh, king of the Medes and the Persians, is ruling everything, and now Daniel has to deal with him. And uh, what happens in this next chapter is uh, this is when Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. This is the most famous part of Daniel's life, Daniel in the lion's den. That's what we're going to read about next week as we continue our study of Daniel. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. And the joy we can share in uh, proclaiming this truth. Uh, the message clearly from uh, both these chapters is stay humble. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that what happens is because we're so smart, we're so clever, we're so skillful, we're so, such great business people, we're such talented, this, whatever. Uh, we need to always be humble before you, be thankful to you, and understand that all good gifts come from you. And uh, help us to always be grateful and thankful people uh, all year long, not just at Thanksgiving, <laughs> but live a life of thankfulness because of your great blessings. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. See you Sunday.